Welcome to SCN2A Insights, bringing you the latest research and clinical updates on SCN2A and genetic epilepsy from around the world. And welcome to this episode of SCN2A Insights, your podcast on all things genetic epilepsy and developmental and epileptic encephalopathy. And welcome, Chris. Thank you. So you've done a great job, Chris, setting up the interview for this episode, really being able to highlight carers and their needs and some of the supports available for carers. Yeah, Crystal's a wealth of knowledge. Not only does she have a personal background that lends her to be super empathetic to family members with rare conditions, but also, you know, her professional background is having that really compassionate outlook for carers and to provide supports in a range of different ways. So today we're interviewing Crystal Barrett O'Loughlin, who is the CEO and founder of Angel Aid. Now, Crystal and I met last year at Global Gene Summit, and we both sit on the Rare Global Advocacy Leadership Council, so we meet quite regularly as a group, and so we have that ongoing connection. But it was a real pleasure to meet you last year, Crystal, and, and just to get to know you and what you're up to. Oh, it's so great to finally speak with you, Chris. So tell us about Angel Aid. What led you to setting it up? At a top level, Angel Aid exists to provide services for caregivers in the rare disease space. I started Angel Aid back in the year 2000, uh, actually as a charitable organization, not a 501c3. Um, we fell under the umbrella of a specific disease group called mucopolysaccharidosis. Three of my older brothers had passed away from MPS disease at 12, 18, and 19 years old. So our original mission was to cure MPS disease, and we raised money for scientific research. I've had the great privilege of witnessing our uh, fundraising dollars go into a research grant that went on to become the FDA-approved standard of treatment for some MPS children, and so young men that would have passed away in their teens have now, you know, gone off to college. So it's been a, an incredible journey. And what I realized about three years ago is that for all of our efforts to cure this one specific disease, still 50 years later, we still do not have any cures for rare disease. And that is an incredible challenge, burden, calling for rare families, for parents specifically. And so we did a huge pivot on our strategy for Angel Aid and relaunched um, as a nonprofit focused specifically on caring for the caregivers. Yeah, well, firstly, congratulations on, on that fundraising that led to a treatment. That, that's a, an amazing, amazing effort. And, and very rewarding as well, because it's a very personal story for you, for your family. And I had the pleasure of meeting your mum also in uh, San Diego. And she's, you know, I can, I can see where you get your passion and your um, desire to help people from. Absolutely. Well, um, we, we have a, a strong belief in the Barrett family that um, there is a purpose to, you know, the, the pain and the suffering that, that we have experienced, um, and that that uh, that purpose is empathy. And we know in our community, our rare rare disease community, that um, there's just incredible love and joy and empathy. Um, that that our hearts, you know, connect with each other just just a little bit deeper um, because of our collective um, challenges. And and so if we can 
run a business um, that's based on empathy and we can bring relief to um, to the families that we support, then, um, then we're doing the right thing. So that pivot that you talked about, you know, realizing that you wanted to switch to um, helping caregivers and that's driven by your, your passion and your own experience. Is there any other drivers behind that? Yeah, so we have seen really incredible um, support models in other types of caregiver communities. Um, so there's really mature support models in military and veterans caregiving, for example, or in senior care around Alzheimer's and dementia. So this recognition of the importance of the caregiver role, literally like basic recognition that that caregiver um, needs to be part of the conversation during doctor's appointments, clinical trials, treatment applications, um, and not just being recognized for their role, but actively engaged in um, the treatment and support for um, for the patient. Uh, we know that our you know community is 350 million families worldwide in rare disease, and that half of those are children. Um, so obviously the parents are engaged, but not necessarily to the level um, that we would like to see in the future. Um, and beyond um, just engaging the parents really d- deeply and recognizing really deeply the role of the caregiver, but also recognizing the financial contribution um, that, you know, that the caregiver um, is, is making and should be honored for uh, going forward. So in the United States, we're not quite as far along as even other countries like Australia and the UK and others that, you know, that have more significant stipends for, um, for caregivers and stay-at-home caregivers. So we have some catch-up work to do in the United States, but uh, that's that's kind of our point of view: is that there's a critical, important role, and it should be honored not just with input and engagement, but also um, financially. Even though in Australia we have um, carer payments and carer, um, you know, there's some financial um, acknowledgement. When the COVID nineteen um, hit, there were financial packages for just about every other other person apart from carers or even in fact there are the people that they care for people with disabilities so it's been a challenge um, and certainly an item of discussion here in Australia getting that recognition and you know it's a piece of work that I think we all have a responsibility to keep driving forward so I'm certainly happy that we've we've continued to connect and you know we can sort of work in in tandem and we can support what you're doing. So recently I received a package from Angel Aid, which is a beautiful surprise. And inside it were all things to remind me as a caregiver um, to look after myself. Um, So there was tea bags and chocolates and just little things to remind me to take time out for myself um, as a caregiver. So what what programs are you currently running um, to support the caregiver? I really like to hear what you're doing at the minute. Absolutely. Oh, that just warms my heart. Um, The program you're talking about is our Uplifting Gifting Program. So um, we believe really strongly in um, uplifting rare families by um, caring for the caregiver. And 82% of the time, that primary caregiver is the mother in the family. 
And, uh, and so what we try to do is surprise and delight the mother. <laughs> so um, we have a series of mailings throughout the year um, that are focused around some sort of sensory reminder. And by sense, I mean the five basic senses of sight, sound, scent, touch, and taste. And so we'll uh, sit down as a team and we'll think, okay, what sort of sense do we want to focus on for this mailing? And, um, and we'll, you know, come up with a package and we've grown our uplifting gifting program, um, started with 12 moms, um, at the beginning of 2019. And we've grown to over a hundred moms now, um, we're almost to 200 on our list. So we've been basically doubling uh, the size of our, of our mailing list uh, for this program. Um, it is completely free. And the way that you would sign up would be to go to our website, which is angelaidcares.org and um, subscribe. Uh, so if you sort of scroll down, just just subscribe um, to our newsletter and our programs. You have, obviously have to enter your mailing address, which is not typical. Most people try to hold back on information, but it, I think if you know that this program exists, you know it, it could be a bit more of a motivator. So that's our uplifting gifting program. Uh, shall I talk about some of the others? I'd love to hear about them. I, I, I'm really interested. Um, we talked briefly about it on the phone about your camp, your retreat. I'm so jealous that they're not here because um, my husband and I have run retreats for sleep well sleep wellness retreats um, at a at a highly regarded um, retreat here in Australia, and I always thought to myself that having these for carers would be the best thing. So I, I'd love to hear about about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, it's interesting, isn't it? So we have, we have been running our retreats. We licensed a, um, a program called the sustainable mom. Um, we've expanded that to the sustainable caregiver so we can be a bit more inclusive. Um, but the, the sustainable mom program, Dr. Laura Reardon is really a specialist in, um, you know, bringing individuals together in community and, um, and guiding as a group through these kind of aha moments. So recognition that it is difficult to be a caregiver and that you did have a life before you were a caregiver, um, whether that was, you know, as a single individual or maybe before you had children um, and kind of reconnecting with that sense of self, with that person as an archetype and then bringing that person through um, to the present day can be a really cathartic and transformational experience um, because there's a recognition that maybe life is just a bit different than you expected, um, especially uh, with the impact of a rare disease diagnosis or a set of symptoms that are undiagnosed for some families. Um, you know, there may be some grieving, there may be some, alongside the joy, um, some disappointment in, um, in your role as a mother or as a parent, some recognition that you know, there are beautiful moments in the day, but there's a lot of really difficult and stressful moments in the day as well. So, uh, so this program is designed to, you know, shore up um, a sense of resiliency within yourself 
And um, what we realized is that it works beautifully in an in-person environment. And um, based on the you know recent happenings on the globe um, with the pandemic, uh, where we're not actually able to bring our groups together in person, um, it accelerated our plans to take this digital. So we always planned to bring our retreat format into a virtual retreat format. We just didn't think we were going to do it until 2022. (laughs) So so we have had to really reimagine that program. And we were so fortunate to partner with Microsoft. Um, They adopted Angel Aid as an approved 501c3 uh, give program member. And that gave us access to a ton of development resources um, pro bono. And so literally in six weeks, we took all of our retreat um, programming and we launched a global community. Um, You can access the community by going to angelaidcares.org and clicking on join our community. It's right at the top. Um, And once you're inside the community, you have access to a whole slew of training and self-care support um, experiences, including Sustainable Mom and including our virtual retreat, which will be happening um, in August and September of this year. So uh, we are um, haven't quite announced it yet. So I guess I'm sort of pre-announcement at this point, but... Um, there is a self-directed um, sustainable mom experience on our community right now, uh, but we're going to be hosting a six-week virtual retreat, uh, as I mentioned, starting in August, where we'll be pulling all this through. So, Chris, you can actually participate. You don't have to wait. <laughs> I'm excited. So, it will be accessible globally, will it? It will. Oh, it fantastic. will. And it, it's our intention I'm so glad you brought up the global because, you know, with global comes a huge responsibility around language translation as well. So our next phase with Microsoft is to start supporting our content and our workshops and our experiences um, in other languages. So we actually built um, this online um, portal, this, this community portal we built it in a 24-hour hackathon. But what it allowed us to do was to launch Sustainable Mom in English, but also um, Spanish and Hindi. So we've started with those two languages because we have kind of close ties with um, uh, native language speakers in those two communities. Um, But it is our intention to broaden into 12 different languages over time. We're going to be running another hackathon this summer in July. Um, and start putting some of those solutions in place. So those will be automated solutions um, as well as contextual, because as we know, uh, it doesn't really much help to just take something and drop it into Google Translate. Um, that gets you about 60% of the way there. You need yeah. you know, a bit more, especially in rare disease, and especially when things get medical, um, which... Yeah, uh, is it really our specialty? You know, yeah, we we, we all yeah. find that that's really um, difficult getting that translation piece. So uh, you know, hats off to you for really embracing that 
that challenge and and bringing it um, to the caregivers. So you talked about the online community. I just want to say, because I've joined that community and there's been some meditation, aromatherapy. So, you know, it's a broad range of topics that you can access through the community. um, And I'm really enjoying being in there and part of it. So thank you. Absolutely. So was there any other programs that you wanted to talk about? I'd like, I'd really like to hear, you know, you've talked about some of the the places that you're going with Angel Aid. What's your long-term vision? So we really believe in uh, supporting the community and our definition of community is the families in, and that's where the majority of our services um, are focused. But Part of our community is also the clinicians and the researchers that are working so hard every day um, to find those treatments and cures. And and so we have quite a few corporate partners. We do corporate training programs, both internally and externally. We're doing a program for Biomarin, for example, that's an employee self-care program. It's an employee sustainability program because, you know, we have a lot of professionals that are also working um, with uh, with the families and working, you know, in in kind of stressful environments, and and so we bring our self care tactics and support programs to the corporate community, and then externally, we've been sponsored, um, for instance, by Horizon to deliver a uh, seven steps to easier injections, blood draws, and IVs programs. So taking um, a medical experience and incorporating our holistic health and wellness practices into that experience to bring relief. Um, so I guess my vision um, is to bring relief uh, through every platform that we possibly can. Right now, digital is all-consuming, but um, we want to bring relief in the form of our health and wellness practitioner network Um, We want to bring relief in the form of mental health support. So it may be um, uh, a, you know, a a digital uh, social worker um, experience, um, telehealth and psychosocial support that um, is, is, you know, uh, backed by a a professional, but has that kind of blend of Eastern and and Western approaches um, to relief. So my vision is a global relief platform. Think of me as the Oprah Winfrey of relief. That's what I would like. <laughs> oh, you know what? And having known you really for less than a year, I, I don't doubt that that's where you're heading. Um, super impressed by your dedication to um, families who, who just need that extra support and an extra reminder to look after themselves. So, Crystal, you've talked about storytelling and how impactful that can be. Can you expand on that for us? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things that we did right off the get-go of launching, um, relaunching Angel Aid is we partnered with Indiana University School of Social Work. And we surveyed mothers, uh, rare mothers, and we asked them, what do you need to feel supported? And um, there were multiple things that came back. But one of the things that came back was, I just need to know I'm not crazy. I need to hear stories of other families that are going through what I'm going through. And we've realized the power of storytelling and the power of film, whether that's in 30 second increments, 30 minutes, or a, you know, a two or three hour feature length film. So 
we partnered with Disorder, the Rare Disease Film Festival, um, and had an amazing experience last fall. Um, we were planning on partnering with them uh, in the spring of 2020 and had to postpone that event um, because of, of some of the um, happenings in the world. Um, but we're getting ready to launch a virtual film festival. And we're going to do this in partnership with Microsoft um, in the fall of 2020. And our intention is to uh, do two things. One, honor rare families by showing their films. And two, um, ignite this awareness campaign. Um, there's nothing like a video story to really bring um, the experience to life for the general public. And that's the pathway to more fundraising. That's the pathway to more support. And so we just really encourage everybody out there to get your story told, whether you're telling it yourself with your iPhone um, on social media or you know, if you're working with a professional film crew and creating shorts or, or um, you know, long form documentaries, but get your story told. It's cathartic um, and it's a critical, critical tool for us to use, um, you know, to affect, affect change and support in rare disease. So there's been a lot of information about Angel Aid and we'll put all the links to Angel Aid um, in the show notes for the podcast so people can find the links to your programs. Um, but also if there's any sponsors out there that want to support um, your programs, we'll put that in there as well so um, they can support your work and, um, and families out there who need that extra care. But lastly, I just wanted to finish the podcast with really essentially what we've talked about. We've talked about how caregivers of children with rare diseases need that extra assistance so it takes up more of our time, adds more stress to our day. What are your tips for caregivers to look after themselves? I think, you know, what we hear um, the most is I don't have time for self-care. And so I talk a lot about micro moments a day, just taking something that you're doing every day um, and reframing it into some sort of um, honoring or some sort of self-care experience. And an example of that would be um, if you're making a cup of coffee or if you're making a latte a day, um, take a few extra moments and really think about the ingredients that are going into that latte. So maybe you source um, you know, your coffee beans from a sustainable, um, you know, coffee bean company. Um, maybe you light a candle while you're, um, you know, sitting down with that hot cup of coffee in your hands. Um, maybe as you're, you know, putting your makeup on in the morning, you're actually um, using some aromatherapy and rubbing um, between your hands and, and, um, you know, igniting your sense of, of smell for that two minutes while you're putting your makeup on in the morning or, um, you know, sitting down uh, before you start a long work day or even the middle of the work day and just setting down your phone, setting down um, everything in your hand and just taking a few moments to close your eyes and take three deep breaths. Those micro moments a day add up to you feeling um, much more sustained and much more um, supported 
And it's not dependent on anybody else. It's something that you can just do for yourself. Um, and we really believe that you have to honor and sustain yourself in order to care for others. So thank you. Absolutely. So what were the things that you took from the interview, Dave? So I think there were two things. I really liked Crystal's point right at the end there about for carers, making sure there's self-care or looking after yourself. I love that retreat that they run, that Angel Aid runs. You know, we we got to get some of that. And I can really resonate with that because in my role as a clinician, looking after people with sleep problems, you know, I'm often getting them to focus on self-care because the sleep may just be a byproduct of not enough self-care or being overwhelmed or not looking after the, themselves. So that resonated for me. The other was the importance of storytelling. You know, we've managed to hold our Genetic Epilepsy Team Australia conference, which was really successful. And that was one of the themes that came out from that. You know, your father told a really powerful story. And as well, we had Renee Swanick talked about the power of storytelling for carers to get across the messages and really convey some of the impact that this can have on families and carers. So that was the other thing from my point of view. Yeah, it's really important. We often think people understand our experiences, but until we actually tell them, and as Renee said in her speech, there's a whole range of ways of telling a story and it's a really important thing, not only for the individual, but for the rare disease community. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode. Check out our website at sen2aaustralia.org and subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with all our latest information. You can also follow SEN2A Australia on Facebook or Twitter at SEN2A Australia. Thanks a lot. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for your own independent health professional's advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider within your country or place of residency with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. 